Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Hunter. As often as I can make it, yes. Appreciate it, especially for a morning show. And your co-host, Spaz? Powered by energy drinks, as usual. (laughs) Oh, I I did not have time to get one this morning. I am I am uh, but uh folks, we're doing a morning show, so it's six AM uh here in California for Spaz and I. It is nine AM for Hunter. Uh and in three it is three PM in okay, here we go. I'm gonna try it. <laughs> Pamplona, Spain. How'd I do? Is that okay? Um, that was great. Oh good. Uh joining us from there, I'm not gonna try it again. There uh, in Spain <laughs> is okay. I'm gonna try it. Fernando Zapata. Uh, oh, very good. Is that good? Okay, Whew. I always get nervous trying to say people's names right because names are very important, you know, you always want to get it right. And uh, and and so I always try really hard to get it someone's name right. Uh, folks, today we're going to talk about a game that uh, Fernando is working on called. Hunternet Starfighter. It is currently in a what would you call it? A private alpha? It's a closed uh, alpha. Closed alpha. But you can anybody can join if they fill out the registration form. Yeah, on itch.io, there's a link to uh itch.io. Um oh there will there's it's on itch.io, but there's a link there's gonna be a link in the podcast notes and whatnot. Uh you can sign up for the uh closed alpha. And it's basically like X-Wing versus TIE Fighter evolved, basically. Um, and we uh, we were fortunate enough to get together uh, this past Saturday to play for about, about two hours. I think it was about two hours. Um, we played several different modes. We played against bots. We played against each other. And I'm just going to tell you all now, folks, if Star Wars Squadrons doesn't work out, which it very well might not, because we don't know. Uh <laughs> This is a game too soon to tell too soon to tell it. Regardless, this is a game you definitely want to keep an eye on because it really captures. It does so much, right? It really captures the classic, uh, starfighter fighter cockpit games while, um, while really adding a lot of its own flair. And that's kind of what I want to talk about in a moment, but Fernando, um, before we dive into the game itself, let's talk about its history. When did you start working on this? I know we, we you said in your trailer what inspired it, uh, Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars. But when what really got the ball rolling on this, and when did you start working on it? Wow. Um, well, there's there's two ways to look at this answer. The short form is when I started working on Hunter and Starfighter, and that is less than two years ago. But in fact, the real story goes much further because Hunter and Starfighter was built on the bones of a previous attempt. And that was built on the bones of a previous attempt. So really, so Hunter and Starfighter as a concrete vision, uh, very similar to what it is today, less than two years ago. But HunterNet and me working on a, a, a space shooter or a shooter in general, that goes back about eight years now, I think. Um, it basically started out, and then before that, it was my previous attempts of being an indie game developer. There's even more history. But just going going to my what eventually became Hunter and Starfighter, I started out with just wanting to make some sort of shooter. 
And the first version was really simple. It was uh, had no final art, just monkey head from uh, from Blender. It's the the mascot for that 3D application. And I didn't have a general theme in mind, but I knew I loved flying games, whether it was uh, X-wing uh, or flight simulators. But I didn't have a theme in mind. So the first version was just a monkey head that could fly around and shoot. Now, even till today, that very first weapon uh, is basically the the laser gun or the in the game it's called the plasma cannon which is very similar to like the star wars lasers that is still there from eight years ago but over time i tried lots of different things like make it uh fly like a helicopter make it fly like a airplane uh i changed themes uh about for 2000 wait 2016 i switched to a space theme and at that point the name was called HunterNet space combat unbound i worked on that for a while and then about less than two years ago, uh, I took Sp- HunterNet Space Combat Unbound, which I believe Jim played, um, and moved into a more simula- simulation direction. The reason I did that is when I first started, I just didn't have the confidence of making a space sim. So that's part of the reason. And by the time I had been working on space, uh, HunterNet Space Combat Unbound, uh, I realized that I had the ability to do it and I saw an opportunity. And that's why I decided to switch. And also switched to something that was more in my wheelhouse anyways, whereas before I really tried to make something super creative and oddball to help it stand out against the big boys. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but that's the no, basic no, history. No, and, um, and what you have made so far, folks, this game is really impressive. Um, I want to talk about what sets it apart from other games. Uh, one thing... And the one thing I really want to talk about is your, the set, the way you set things up in the game, the controls and whatnot, folks. Mm-hmm. You can set up your flight sticks and whatnot while you're in the game from a simple arrow-based menu. I've never seen anything like it before. Usually, you have to like leave the game and go to options and then go to controls and set up each axis and blah blah blah, and it's it's very tedious. But here, you're in your fighter. And use an arrow base menu to just select your axis from jump. I've never seen that before. It's amazing. I wish more games did it now. I wish every game did it now. Um, because I've never seen something so elegant. Um, so I have to just give you props for that. Because I think that's... I, I've never been able to set up controls so quickly in anything. Um that was just yeah, I, utterly amazing. Yeah, not gonna lie, not gonna lie. The mouse and keyboard stuff was like pretty top notch. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, a lot of that. Some of that stuff goes back eight years. That's where, even though Hunter and Starfighter, as the name Hunter and Starfighter, and the the Razor focus on just that on Starfighters started uh, about two years ago, a little bit less two years ago. Uh, the the mouse controls. Like the way I do the mouse controls and just the controls in general, a lot of that stuff goes back much longer. The the net code, you know, we the net code performance, another thing that really stands out. That's code I started developing eight years ago and has been refined over time. Um, and I get that a lot with the 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 joystick controls. Most people just follow the traditional formula where you press escape and go to the controls menu and and map it. And it's always been a pain in the butt. You have to go back and forth, see how it is. And with space games, with there being so many options and so much flexibility it was horrible and you always saw people working around it by like profiles sharing profiles using third-party programs 
And when I sat down to do it, I wanted to make it easy. And since um, one thing that I have done a lot over these years is that I iterate a lot on everything and I, you know, I play my game constantly. And, and whenever I can find even a small little tweak to make it easier to use, to make it a little bit you know, more finely polished, I always put the time in there. And yeah, I don't know why nobody has done it. Uh, uh, I definitely it's- think it's, it's the right way to do it. It's amazing. I, I, I too don't know why anyone else has done it because I mean, so when we flew the other day, I used my full hottest, my joystick mouse, I mean, joystick throttle and pedals, but Hunter and Spaz, you guys used mouse and keyboard. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you guys were just as effective with the mouse and keyboard as I was with a joystick, uh, which well, is no small feat. Uh, I, 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 I think, I think that goes to just like Fernando <laughs> kind of using common sense with like the keyboard because the, the mouse, the mouse, the mouse clearly makes sense on how you use it to move around. But, um, f- I've seen at times where some, some people don't like some developers don't map like the Q and E to like the, the roll and like drift or like what, what uh, strafe, um, with like A and D, it just it just the common sense thing is to use the whole like QWE ASD like section as part of the movement. Whereas I've I've seen like some folks like put it down like on Z and X. I'm just like this doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know I've got to remap <laughs> this. Whereas just like out of the gate, it's it's kind of like I just I just started playing and I was just like I don't have to touch anything. This this makes sense. Like my my brain just like this makes sense. So yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to try it with a mouse and keyboard. I'm very curious now. Um, But one thing that also struck me uh, that I really liked is you, you, and you brought this up on the, uh, you brought this up during the play session the other day is a lot of space combat games you feel have an over reliance on radar. And so you want to make things uh, more reliant on the good old Mark one eyeball. Um, exactly. <laughs> I did. I did find myself using my eyes more than trying to look at the radar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Your visual and, sensors. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually makes things more tense. I think it actually makes things a lot more, uh, in a good way, in a good way. I think it makes things a lot more well, tense. Well, as an example, this is, this is what's so cool. As an example, when we were doing the two V two stuff, uh, I, I was actually going up, like the the way I was playing it was, is I was actually able to watch Fernando and Spaz coming in because I was taking a high route above, like the asteroids up to the far left of where I was. It's kind of hard to explain without like because I'm moving my hands and the audience clearly isn't seeing me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but like I, I took I took I took a route that put me up and and above at a vantage point. But I was able to actually watch you guys come in, and there were several times where, go, where Fernando was like, "He's behind me. How did he get there?" It just it was kind of funny, like that mo- that moment of I was tracking the whole thing visually rather than trying to rely on the radar that was there. So it was just, it's just, it, it very much was fun. And yeah, there's also a, a thing, and there's also a, a, a really neat thing in this game that also makes you rely on your eyes. It's called silent running, which once I started using it, I, I could not stop using it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be, I'll be completely, uh, I used it many, many times. Uh, so, so explain silent running 
because uh, you can probably okay. do it better than I can. <laughs> so, so, um, so silent running, uh, basically the, the game does have a radar and also has a, and really it's a, a radar and a scanner array. Radar is limited to one kilometer, but it can track unlimited number of targets and it sh- shows you a detailed semi, not really detailed, but it gives you a good idea where they are within one kilometer of you. But then you have a scanner array that can track up to three targets, uh, and that's limited to five kilometers. And what silent running does is if your thrusters are below a certain output level, you do not show up in the scanner array and you do not show up on the radar. And there's a key dedicated. There's a set of engine management keys, Z, X, and C is in cat by default, that you can press to change basically how your, your thrusters are configured. And by pressing the silent running key, C, it prevents you, even if you put 100% throttle or 100% strafe on any, any input, it prevents it to go above that limit. So it guarantees that you stay under the radar. And at the same time, if you're flying with flight assist on, it puts you with flight assist off, which means that you're drifting all the time and your movement, you can, you can accelerate to any speed because this is outer space. It's just going to take you longer because you're doing it in little small, you know, little small bursts of uh, thruster energy. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, and it, it makes it hard for people to see you because not only is it the radar, there's also your HUD. Your HUD shows targets up to two kilometers away. It highlights them even if you don't have them targeted. But again, if they're silent running, they won't show up. And if you don't see that little spaceship sneaking, you can miss it, right? Even if it's right in front of you. It's so crazy because, you know, uh, fighter pilots talk about this all the time, how they have to be, you know, really aware of what's going around, maintain their station awareness. But you also have to focus on your target. But if you're doing that, even something that is coming straight at you and it's clearly visible on the screen, if it's not highlighted by that HUD and has a big old circle around it because they're silent running, you won't see it. Um, and you won't get any warnings either, any alarms going off. So it's, a, it's an extremely effective way. And uh, it adds a lot of element of the hunt to the game. And that's something that's been true since the beginning is that I wanted, that's why it's called HunterNet. It was HunterNet this, HunterNet that, now it's HunterNet Starfighter. But the element of hunting and being hunted and stealth and catching your prey off guard has always been a key element of it. And I have to say when it works, it's like, I think I snuck up on you once or twice and yes. it was, <laughs> it was insanely thrilling to be able to do that <laughs> as I was getting close and you're like, wait, yeah. who's shooting at me? Oh my God. <laughs> Guys, we had it so is. much fun. Guys, we had so much fun with this play test. Um, <laughs> it had, it's just a blast. Uh, now one thing I got to say, that's very impressive. The physics, the, uh, the engine, what you're flying around it. You, you it, I mean, you can, I, I don't know if you could black out in space. I don't know. You probably can, but, uh, can you, I don't know. Um, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Okay. <laughs> you Cause can you can in this much. game as well. Oh, I yeah. did. I did a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the physics and the way the flight feels is just, just fantastic, and it's it's kind of amazing that this is a Unity game, because I played. I'm not going to mention any one specifically, but I played other Unity games that do not feel this good. So, how did you bend Unity to your will in order <laughs> to make it feel in order to make it feel well, this good? Um, it took time. Um, it's not because of Unity itself that it that it took time, but. Think about it. What, what did it take to make the physics that good? Well, it took a couple things. One, you know, before I started to learn Unity, I was a pretty experienced programmer. So that helped. I started learning Unity back in 2009. So, I've, you know, that's over 
over a decade wow. now. So I, I didn't know Unity's been. Ar- I didn't. I didn't know Unity's been around that long. <laughs> I was using Unity before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, technically, really. People like to say, oh, the Unity game, Unreal games, both of those games can make any kind of physics you want, make the physics feel how you want. I think both of them even use um, the, the same um, physics engine. But but a lot of it comes down to the programmer and to the designer. And I think in this case, it's, more, it's actually more of a, a designer issue rather than a programming issue. The programming helps because if you're a designer and you might have an idea of how you want it to fly, but you might not know how to get the physics engine and give you that result. I had the fortune of being a good programmer and then over time learning how to become a good designer. And the flight model is the way it is today through a lot of iteration. Starting from that first version, you know, eight years ago, I experimented a lot with lots of different flight models. Just to give you one example, one day, probably around 2014, I went back to Austin, Texas to visit a friend of mine and he gave me a little quadcopter. And we played around his house playing, you know, flying these little micro quads in, in first person view with uh, like a headset. And I just fell and we raced around the house. The dogs were chasing. I fell in love with it. And what did I, I came back home. And this is, again, this is the old version of the game, which the biggest fault that game had is that it wasn't focused. It just had everything in it. Stuff from X-Wing, stuff from like Aliens versus Predator, stuff from Mech Warriors. just had everything you can imagine hey, hey, in wait, one what? game, right? <laughs> yes. Hey, what? Yes. I ain't kidding. Um, and, but I wanted to add another thing at that point, I already had like four different flight models. And I said, we're going to add a quadcopter flight model. So I spent the weekend, you know, making a quadcopter model. And, you know, because by that time I had so much experience, the next play test, uh, which is like the, you know, the third day I had it in the game, we were already racing around fighting it and it fit pretty well in and it felt good, felt good. And the only reason I was able to do it that quickly was because all that experience. And then with Hunter and Starfighter, basically, I took all that experience, uh, getting a feel like what's the right level of acceleration, what's the right level of speed, you know, how should the the how should the iner- the moment inertia feel, all that, how it should all feel, and I put that into a model that, like you said, it's like I wanted to feel a little bit like X Wing, you know, that close quarters combat in particular, but give it the the more freedom of movement that you saw in movies like in battles in shows like Battlestar Galactica, and the first version of the Hunter and Starfighter flight model was really damn good. And then um, it was still a small community. A little bit later, once we, you know, not that much later, literally like maybe months later, I decided to start inviting like high skill PvP players from Elite Dangerous, Star Citizen, and other games. And they played it and the game looked horrible. It looked really bad. But man, they all loved the flight model. And they're like, oh, this is like, this is this just feels great. So I knew I it wasn't just me. <laughs> so somehow I, I developed the right taste and the and the experience and and I have a clear vision too. I think that helps a lot. I have a, I've always had a clear vision in my mind how I want the battles to to look and feel. Um, and um, yeah, and and the good thing is that even if you're not somebody who spent thousands of hours like playing um, whether it's space games or air games, even people who are completely complete novices because the the whole system is is sort of pulling you in that direction. You can have two complete novices using joysticks for the first time, and they can have a pretty cool looking dogfight. I think that's part of what makes it, you know, work. And and it works really well. Now, right now it's multiplayer only. Um, but you do you uh, and but 
the net code that you apparently have come up with is, I mean, really well done. Because the other day, like, Hunter was streaming, I was recording, we're talking over Discord, blah, 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 blah. And there were, no one had any, like, Spaz and Hunter, you can you can chime in if, if you had issues. But I personally had no issues with lag or or anything like that. It was smooth the entire time. It was buttery smooth. Yeah. How yeah. did how did you make that happen? Because that is such a thi- that is such an important thing with games like this, especially yeah. when you have such fluid, fast movement where you have to be on your toes yeah. all the time. You have to have good netcode. Yeah, no, it's very important. And if you look at a lot of the major space games, that's probably their biggest downfall is their netcode is not that good. Uh, <laughs> why is my netcode that good? Again, it goes back that before I started working on HunterNet, I had experience doing network programming. I'm, you know, I started programming when I was 13 years old. When I started working in indie games, I'd already had over a decade of professional programming experience. So I had a lot of experience going in. Oh, damn. And the, the very first version, the very first play test, which was me, playing against my brother-in-law who was in a hotel room on a business trip in China using like, you know, and this must've been, you know, eight years ago. So, you know, what is, wasn't a very good internet connection. He was staying in some cheap business hotel and, you know, the net code was already working really well right from day one. And then I've had eight years to refine it and improve upon it. My first external play tester who was not a friend or family was a guy from New Zealand, uh, beat craze. He's still one of my moderators. One of the first messages he sent me is like, what kind of like dark ritual sacrifice did you do <laughs> to make this game played as well from New Zealand to San Francisco? <laughs> so, and it just goes on and on. Like I had a, a, another player of mine. I saw he, he responded on some Reddit thread. Like this is the best netcode I've ever experienced in the last 15 years, you know? And I'm not saying that, that like any network came there can be, you know, times when, you know, you're, you're going to see lag. You're going to see things. You're gonna, it's not always going to be buttery smooth. Uh, but given the realities of the internet and data getting lost and ping going all over the place, it does a really good job at, at making it a fun, fair experience for everybody. And it's one of my, you know, it, it, I knew going in that if I was going to make a multiplayer game, the net code needed to be really good. And I think I've accomplished that. Indeed. Yeah, I, I, yeah we, can, we can agree, at least on our end, with our anecdotal evidence that it was really, I mean, you had all these shots flying, you know, all these ships flying around. And yeah, I never noticed another ship glitch out or anything. You know, uh, it was just really astounding. Uh, so right now, how many modes are in the game as of right now? It looked like there were like four or five. Um, yeah. Oh, and by the way, the, the game is planned to have single player. Um, the reason is multiplayer only right now because number one, the folk that's the hardest thing. I wanted to make sure the multiplayer worked well. And number two, since we're testing, I wanted to keep all the community together, not you know, often little silos playing by themselves. Um, but um, in terms of modes, there's basically a, a several different team modes. Uh, attrition being a, a typical team deathmatch, uh, with each side having uh, two home capital ships. There's capital ship assault, which is a variation of that team mode where instead of winning by you know destroying the, the largest number of uh, starfighters, you win by destroying all the defensive guns on the starfighters, which on the on the capital ships, which is 166 between the two of them. And that mode is going to be further evolved because the idea is you you want to blow up the capital ship, not just strip strip her of her defenses. But you know the game is a work in progress, so that's not in there yet. 
and that mode will also have more um, other things added to it, you know, everything you would expect in a battle between capital ships, you know, limited supply based on the capital ships, being able to damage them, take them apart, so forth. Then there's also a survival team mode, which is like a team, uh, team deathmatch, but you only get one life. Um, then there are two free-for-all modes. Uh, both of them are called Bounty Hunt. Uh, the nice... Oh, no, there's another one. There's also there's two complete free-for-all modes, uh, Bounty Hunt and there's Bounty Hunt Duels. So Bounty Hunt is a free-for-all mode where you're scored based on your performance. So as you get, if you get more kills, you're more notorious, you have a higher bounty on your head. So people are, are incentivized to go after the top players instead of trying to farm the weakest players to get their score up to and win the, the free-for-all. Um, so that's Bounty Hunt. Then there's Bounty Hunt Dual Mode, which is basically designed specifically for, for training. Every time you kill somebody, you repair. But it can also be a really fun uh, free-for-all mode uh, when you're playing against people of similar skill levels. Because in that mode, you get a really nice element where it, you know, it's normal when you're playing in a free-for-all that people want to take advantage of, the, of whoever's hurt the most, right? They want to look for people who are engaged in a fight and then come in at the last moment and, like, you know, vulture the weaker player. In this mode, since the moment you kill your opponent, you, you get a brand new ship. You re, you, all your damage goes away. Your, ener- your energy reserves get topped off. You get these nice moments where you know somebody's trying to come in from behind and shoot you down, but you kill the guy you're going up against and you switch around and you switch tables on them. So there's that mode. And then the last mode is called Squad Wars. And it's um, multiple squad team battle mode. So you can, have, you can form squads of up to four pilots. Uh, but there's multiple of those squads. There can be 10 of those squads or even more, depending on the server. And some of those squads might be AI squads, and, but you know, uh, any of them can be human squads. Uh, as humans join the server, basically, the AI starts dropping off um, to keep the battle of the, the same uh, size. And that mode was added recently. Um, actually, it was added after I heard about Star Wars squadrons, I won't lie. Uh, <laughs> two squads. I said, no, we're going to do 42 squads. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and uh, those I are the guess, current modes the idea is to do way more but yeah right of course um and i i, I did have to say the ai was also also gave i thought a pretty good fight you know i thought yeah. i thought i did a pretty decent job as well um so what kind of single player uh content are you planning so my my plan is this i want to make i always you know what i actually want and what i end up delivering is going to of course depend a lot on these next few weeks and how much attention I can bring to the game and then how much, how much resources I can put together. But my idea is ideally for HunterNet Starfighter, because I have future plans if it goes well, is to make something similar to the original X-Wing in scope, but imagine everything in the original X-Wing supported optional online support. So all the campaigns, the race maps, everything. Uh, the custom missions, all that content, if you could also play it in either co-op or versus, depending on how the mission is set up. And that, to me, felt like a good target goal. Yeah, no, that's a great goal because, like, right now, I think for games like this, there are only basically two other games that let you do that. There's um, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, obviously, and Star Lancer, uh, which yeah. both let you play uh, co-op in their campaigns. Um, but that's it. Like, no one else has really done anything like that. Yeah. So that's exciting. That's really exciting. Because, yeah. God, some of those X-Wing missions could have really benefited from 
<laughs> benefited from getting some help from your friends. Yeah, for sure. Jesus Christ. For sure. Looking- I mean, I grew up playing that game, so I, I know it well, and I think it's, 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 it's a good blueprint. And, but there's plenty of room to, right. to do my own, you know, my own spin and, and maybe do things, a few things better. And the other thing is that that game was made by a relatively small team. And I wanted, I think it's an ambitious enough scope. It's, it'll give you a full game experience. It won't feel like this game is, is not finished. Uh, but it's small enough that I, that I can keep my team small and focused and that we can actually finish it. Cause I don't want to end up taking years and years to finish Hunter and Starfighter. I want to finish Hunter, Hunter and Starfighter. And if it does well, then expand upon it, but actually go through the whole process of like development to release, release the damn thing. See, that sounds healthy. <laughs> unlike, <laughs> unlike some other, uh, other projects we won't mention the name of, but everyone probably knows what we're talking about. So uh, right now you're in a closed uh, alpha. What is the, what is the plan going forward? Um, are, uh, yeah. You know, what is the plan going forward for like, are you going to do a Kickstarter? Are you going to have an open alpha? Like what, what, what is your current um, plan to get from where you are now to release? Yeah. So, you know, my current plan, my current focus is simply getting the word out. Cause it, I've estimated that, you know, probably less than uh, just a tiny fraction of 1% of people who are into space games have even heard of Hunter and Starfighter. And until now, there was no surprise because, you know, I didn't do any serious promotional work of it. I'm hoping this podcast is going to help. I think it's going to help. Uh, but I really need to to basically let people know that this game exists um, so they can try it. If that goes well and I can get the word out and enough people know that it exists, and the reaction continues to be as positive as it has been, because that's, that's the very encouraging part, is when I actually manage to get it in front of people, the reaction is uniformly... Po- I mean, I don't remember the last time somebody had a negative reaction, which was not the case with the previous versions that I talked about that were all over the place. I mean, people react to it very, very strongly. So assuming that it continues to go well and I get an audience, then the next step is to raise funding, because I am just one guy. I am not an art... I'm a programmer. And, and I've learned to be a game designer over the last 10 years. But I'm not an artist. I'm not a musician. I'm not a special effects guy. There's a limit to what I can do by myself, right? I've kind of pushed it almost as far as I can go right now by myself. Um, so in terms of, so the next phase would be raising, raising f- funding. And I will either do a Kickstarter. And I didn't, the reason I haven't done a Kickstarter until now, because I felt like there was no point in doing a Kickstarter if I can't, get the word out that I'm even running a Kickstarter. Cause I think that's the biggest problem people have with a Kickstarter, right? Yeah. That is a big problem is like you start from <laughs> nothing and Oh, Kickstarter. It's like, who are you? <laughs> why <should> I, <laughs> exactly. Why should I, why should I give you any money? I, I've so never wh- heard of you before this. Um, yeah. Uh, have, having that base already under your feet before starting the Kickstarter will definitely be a benefit to you definitely so i totally see where you're coming from and uh yeah hopefully this podcast will help um i think it will but what you've been able to do mostly mostly by yourself (laughs) someone in the chat uh a crazed gunman said if you give money the game will be good pinky swear (laughs) (laughs) pinky swear it's great um God, I totally lost my train of thought now. Thanks, gunman. Damn it. Uh, 
<laughs> God damn it, that was funny. <laughs> well, I'll add that if you have that that base of players who are already interested, word of mouth can spread from there. Yeah. And and yeah. that's that's a key point here. Yeah. yeah, I think I mean at the end it all goes back to the player, right? If you're not if you're not making something that the players like that they connect with that they're enjoying, then why are you going to kickstart? Why even release? And that's been my mentality from the from the beginning. And all even though I've been working on it eight years, I never came to this point before this far along because I didn't have that confidence that this was something that I could kickstart. And I didn't want to do a kick. And what ends up happening, I feel, with kickstarters. Since it's so hard to convince people to give your money, you end up promising a lot of things or painting this big dream. And sure, my company is called CPU Dreams, but I understand that dreams, you know, dreams are dreams. And I wouldn't, you know, if you, you do this Kickstarter, you promise a bunch of things. And then the reality is you probably, you're going to have a hard time pulling it off. So I felt more comfortable doing a Kickstarter when I felt like I knew what I could do. I knew that it was something that people wanted and do it then rather than trying to hype it up to try to get people to back it and then right. find out that I can't even build it with the money that I got. Right. <laughs> and I think Plus, that's, that's what happens. You know, I think I, I think wish it was still back in the old days, a Kickstarter where just doing a Kickstarter, we gave you all the eyeballs, but that's not the yeah, case but, anymore. But now, but now people are really not tired. There's a fatigue. There is a fatigue. Yeah. There is a Kickstarter fatigue because a lot of projects have upended and, and died. Um, so, but Kickstarter is still pretty much one of the best ways to do this. And I think not doing it now, but waiting till the sheen of Star Wars Squadrons wears off to where people will be like, oh, this is great. Or, oh, this is crap. Uh, we need something else, uh, is probably a smart move. <laughs> like get out yeah. of under that, sp- get, get away from that spotlight first, you know, and then do a Kickstarter, you know, because yeah, like I was saying, we don't know if Squadrons is going to be any good. We have no idea. Yeah. I mean, it could be. We hope it is. Yeah. You know, but uh, even if it is, you your game, yeah. I think, still offers more because that game has what three <laughs> modes? You. I think that game has what three modes? Maybe. Yeah. And uh, I think it's three. Yeah. I think it's three, and I'm I'm going to be honest. Those three modes did not look very impressive to me. It, they really didn't. They're like, it's like, oh, deathmatch, and oh, take out the cap ship. It's like, how are you going to add variety to this? You know, when you only have three modes. Um, so hopefully squadrons will be good, but even if it is good, there's still, I think, more room for oh, games yeah. like this because not a ton of people are making uh, cockpit-based, you know, space fighter games, especially ones that are oh. this good. Um, because I'm gonna be I honest think, again. Sorry, sorry. Good. No, I was just saying. I feel like no matter how Squadrons does, it's it's a good thing because let's say it's a good game. Well, that's gonna make give this 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 uh this mm. genre a lot more attention. You know, it's definitely. I think it's definitely gonna be a case of like a rising tide lifts all boats, and yeah. people are gonna want to play. You know, Call of Duty does well. Battlefield does well. There's there's a wing X Wing did well. Wing Commander did well. There's there's room for for multiple games. And just like I saw with Microsoft, Microsoft Flight Simulator bringing attention to people buying joysticks, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people say, I just bought a whole task for Microsoft Flight Simulator and I was looking for other games I could play with it. And I think that's going to happen even that's more true. so with Squadrons. That's true. Yeah, there has there there definitely has been a rise on on the on the Hotas stuff because I know a buddy of mine he was like 
hey, uh, you said you got a joystick uh, for playing Squadrons, right? And I was like, no, I, I have a joystick. I just happened to like <laughs> also be getting Squadrons to play. He's like, oh, well, what one do you have? And I was like, well, I've got this X52 Pro. And he's like, is it good? And I'm like, well, I've had it for like the last seven years. I like it. So, I mean... Yeah, I think I think a lot of people, you know, especially with squadrons coming out, and I've seen like a rise of people on YouTube that are like playing, you know, X Wing Alliance modded all up in like excitement and preparation, and it's just so funny, like seeing all these people come out of the woodwork who have never played these classic games, being like, "I'm so excited for this new game," and I'm like, yeah. "Uh huh, uh huh." Yep. <laughs> yep. Like I think I saw one YouTuber. It's like. I have never played a game like this before, or something. I'm like, <laughs> how old are you? <laughs> how long yeah. have you been yeah. gaming? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> there's, there's like, there's. I've been seeing people who are doing like first time playthroughs of like X Wing Alliance. And they're like, I'm getting ready for Squadrons to come out, so I'm gonna play. It's like spiritual predecessor, and I'm like, okay. Uh, I grew up with this. It just, it just feels. It's so, some of it also feels a little awkward because it's just like, uh, you know, growing up with it. And just just like seeing all the mistakes people are making as like a longtime fan, but at the same time, it's also exciting because as Fernando says, like you know, with a rising tide, I think it's I think this is going to be nothing but that's but true. Good. You know, I, I this is we've been getting a lot of really good space games, whether it be like 4X or whether it be um, some kind of strategy or whether it be third person shooters or whatever. Um, I mean, we've definitely had Elite, you know, we've had uh, Star Citizen Citizen development for like forever, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. So we've had some definite first person perspectives come out there, but I don't think, you know, I think Elite tried it and failed and there's reasons why it failed with their um, arena stuff. Yeah, I think, I think that... I think that there are games from the past that we're learning from X-Wing Alliance or the X-Wing series being one of them, uh, the Freelancer, Star Lancer stuff. Um, we haven't really had good space dogfighting style games or sim dogfighting style games like what we're seeing with Hunter Net, well, like what we're seeing with potentially, potentially with Squadrons. Um, and you know, people ever since you know EA put out the new Battlefronts, this is what people have been asking for. Like, when are we going to get a new X Wing? When are we going to get a new like Rogue Squadron? And um, I mean, between between what Hunter Net's doing and what Squadrons is doing, I, I see like nothing but pluses from both of those things. So, yeah, I agree, and I feel like. When I saw Squadrons came out, I was like, man, they're making the X-Wing game that I was trying to make, you know? But then I saw it, and I was like, man, consider I'm just one guy with zero budget. I don't, I compare pretty favorably with this game. Yeah. You know, they're, obviously uh, there's tons yeah, of things yeah. they don't do. And they're, and they're th- doing something different though. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're doing the sim thing with theirs, but they're not, they're, they're also adding up like the power ups and like the, yeah. The, oh, there's, the, there's, there's, there's support the support ship that could like magically yeah. repair you and and stuff yeah like there's that. there's some there's some there's some there's some there's some um you know jedi starfighter shenanigans going on with it this, feels like right? a hybrid <laughs> not pure <right? laughs> it really does right it right really does. yeah 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 so and that's and that's where i think like for example yours is going to shine because i play yours and i feel like i'm playing almost like a modern freelancer or a modern um 
I don't know how to also describe it. I I think I think you've just done something really well with your flight model and the, mm-hmm. with the with the mechanics. It's just your flight model and the mechanics of the gameplay are just something rare. We don't see a lot of that. <laughs> That's good to hear, man. Yeah, and and there's there's so much you, you well, and going back to the UI, I I love what is that the smart targeting thing where it brings up a list of what's around you and you oh can, the, the scanner array. Yeah, yeah this, no, no, it's, it's the smart target thing, right? Where it pops up a list of what's around you, and you it's can called select. a scanner, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, I thought the button was smart target. I apologize. No, um, no but yeah, I really like that. Uh, you know, uh, you can target like you can have a list up of the targets. Like, say, I wanted to target you really quickly because you're my nemesis right now. Up oh, there, you are. I have a I have a range on you now. I can target you. <laughs> it, it it just. It just made things so because you know when you're in the cockpit, you can't spend a lot of times flicking buttons. You know, you need to like figure out where you're going next and put yourself where you want to go, and not worry about target this and target that. And I think you've come up with a really elegant way to handle all that. Uh, and who who can say if if squadrons can do the same? Um, yeah. I, I don't keep meaning to bring up squadrons, but it is prescient and relevant. Yeah, given, no, definitely. Given I don't mind at all. I mean, it's been on my mind a lot. Like I, when yeah, I sure. saw it, I tried. I thought, man, because when I saw it, when they first announced it, I was like, okay, I have this much time. Originally, I was going to do a free fly week at the end of September. And the goal was, let me try to get as many people to try my game before they try squadrons. So that when they try squadrons, they're looking at it from <laughs> from having already had the experience of playing my game. But I decided, on oh, that's crazy. Just uh, it's too little time. But I was like, you know, what can I do to to make sure that people will still give my game another look after you know this other game with the much bigger you know publicity and and budget and a and a license everybody has heard of. Um, but then I you know I realized that you know like I said, rising tide uh, lifts all boats, and I th- definitely I think people will look for other games even if they if Squadrons is good and even if they like it. Uh, yeah, but you know, yeah. I didn't even have a computer that could do VR, and I had always planned on doing VR. But until at that when when Squadrons was announced, my laptop was five years old and it wasn't VR ready. I couldn't do VR. I didn't even have a VR headset, um, and I didn't even have a computer that could record 180p footage at 60 FPS. So I didn't have the hmm. resources. And um, but now I feel like if I get the the visibility and the resources, um, the game will do fine. You know. Yeah, I mean, people are going to need something to play that joystick with once the allure of squadrons wears off. I've seen people yeah. like I would never thought of buying a joystick. They bought it for like the PS4 version or, of squadrons. I'm like, what? And that'll work on a PC too, so it's kind of perfect. Uh, <laughs> they bought like this little Thrustmaster for their PS4 just for squadrons. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Yeah, little thing. <laughs> oh, I uh, I added Jedi mode because of squadrons. I'll say that. <laughs> okay, what is Jedi mode? You have to tell us what Jedi mode is. You brought that up the other day. What is Jedi mode? Yeah. So when you go to refit your ship, uh, you can pick the kind of targeting computer you have, and you have two options. You can pick the default, which is is called Pips, and you can pick tracers. And when you have Pips, are those little lead indicators? that you know you, you aim at the lead indicator and if the ship doesn't move you'll probably hit them right when you play jedi mode you don't get any indicators at all you just get a fixed reticle on the center of your screen 
So you have to use the force. You have to figure out where oh, to shoot. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, which X-Wing did wasn't quite what X-Wing did is there was an invisible pip. And when you were aiming at the invisible pip, then your your aiming reticle would change to green to let you know your aim was correct. And I think that's right. what Squadrons does as well. It changes the color. Whereas this does is there's nothing. There's, it doesn't go green or red. You just have to fire and look at the tracers, the bullet tracers, and see where they're flying and see they're flying to the left or to the right and use that to adjust your aim. I'm going to have to try that. That's amazing. And the other thing that makes it interesting, and I think that this is, again, something that I, don't, I have never seen anybody else do, is that, well, why would you do that? You'd just be handicapping yourself right? The other guy can aim with a pip and you have to do it the hard way. You'll just get your butt handed to you every time. But if you switch to that simpler target computer, you get higher. Every time you fire your, your, your projectile, the cost of firing it is lower, uses less energy. And since it uses less energy, you can fire that weapon more. You have more energy left over for your shield. So there's an advantage to doing that. So if you can learn to aim without the pip, you have an advantage. So that allows people to fly how they want to. You can fly with pips, without pips. There's a, there's, a, there's a clear advantage to doing so. And some of my best, well, one of my best pilots, Craze Gunman, flies without pips all the time. And he just, he slaughters people. And the other advantage that it has is it's like playing with weighted clothing. You know, like those Kung Fu movies or, or Dragon Ball Z. They have this like heavy clothing on. And, been, and then before they battle, ah, oh, I'm taking this off. And then they're a whole nother level. That's how it feels. You play in Jedi mode. It forces you to pay attention to where you're, you're aiming, how your mo- ship is moving, how your opponent's ship is moving. Uh, and then you, you, you get killed anyways. You come back, you turn on your pips, and you just feel stronger because now your own brain is anticipating what, what the actual computer targeting computer is not. So it's, it's, a really, it's a small thing, but it has had great dividends, in my opinion. I'm going to have to try it. Um, now, right now you have multiple servers set up. You have like we played on the uh, the Dallas server, but that doesn't yeah. mean like when you join a server, you're playing with everyone on that server because you can create instances within those servers. Is that how that works? Cur- no. So currently there are seven servers uh, spread across the world, three in uh, in the United States, two in Europe, um, one in South America and Brazil and one in in Australia. Now, each of those servers is just one big instance. So you join, everybody who's on that server, you will see them. Um, the community is not big enough to make sense to like split people off. But the, what I did tell you, and this is the plan, is because I think Hunter asked me about private hosting. And my idea is that I will add private instances. So you could join a server and then have that server spin off a private instance. And that private instance oh. can either be an open instance that everybody can see and join, or a private instance where they can see it, but they need to enter a password. Uh, to join it. That's the so, idea. So, but, so those are instances based per server. So that's interesting. So it'd be like you have to join a server, then you join the instance. You would pick the, you would pick the server, and behind the scenes, it might, it might say San Francisco, but there could be multiple servers in San Francisco. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. But then, like, the, the, my, I guess my question is then, like, how do you, if you're joining just a single server, then how do you see that instance? Well, I haven't built the UI for it, but if there were more than one, then I might just, you know, list the number of instances next to the name gotcha. and you can click a button to expand. Gotcha. Uh, but it's definitely based on a more of a server browser model where you can see what's happening. It's not, the game was not designed, I think we talked about a little bit when we were playing, it's not designed around traditional matchmaking, which I think is a big difference between HunterNet, Starfighter, and Squadrons, where that felt very much like a matchmaking-based game. 
where you 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 hop onto a queue uh, of one of the modes that they provide, and then you get put into matches. Whereas this is more of a server browser game, um, which I think facilitates more tightly knit communities and also works better with um, when if the community is not huge, which I hope the community eventually becomes huge. But as you know, when it's yeah, starting I, out, I uh, agree with that. I I prefer like something like Unreal Tournament where you have a list of servers and like oh there's Capture the Flag. I want to play that rather than like. I, as much as I love like Titanfall too, it's like okay, are you gonna, gonna, are you gonna just, add a capture the flag mode? Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. You that totally would be should interesting do. Interesting for sure. You I totally did have a, a sports mode in the past. Like steal steal the warp core or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing for the multiplayer is it's drop in, drop out. And that, you know, so, so yeah, they have these instances, but you don't have to be there when it starts. You can join mid-match, right? You can always join the server and you can even join at your, at your, at your will, which is an important part. A lot of these games, you have to be, everybody has to be there from the beginning. And if somebody drops out, then maybe if you're lucky, an AI will take their spot. Um, whereas in, with Hunter, you don't have that. But in wow. terms of like sports modes, yeah. I mean, I'm focusing right now on like the core. So I'm using X-Wing as my template, but, you know, right. going forward. I could definitely see modding and custom missions. If you want uh, some good examples of vehicular sports insanity, look up um, Test Drive Eve of Destruction. It was a, hmm. uh, it was a PlayStation 2 slash Xbox game, but it had soccer <laughs> and, and it had a bunch of other things. Like, and, and, like some of the modes in that have not been replicated since, and that would that that be a good template to look at, I think, um, because I still load up that game on my PS2 every now and again because it's so great. <laughs> oh no! Uh, have you guys heard? That sounds good. I wrote it down. I'm definitely gonna check it out. And I'll, I'll in the past with some you know years ago when I was still being a little bit more experimental than I am right now, um, I joked with some of my players that we should do like. Um, Rocket League, but with spaceships instead of race cars. Oh, that'd be good. Ooh, Destruction <laughs> Derby. <laughs> Destruction Derby with spaceships. Oh, you imagine? Uh, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> and this flight model works really great for racing. We have done racing uh, with this flight model and previous flight models. It's just so much fun with the crash damage, spinning a control, the inertia, everything. And you could do a race circuit, and then it's not that hard. You do one race. Some races are without guns, pure racing, and other races with guns. Oh, um, man. So there's many different ways you can slice it. Oh, that's great. Uh, have you guys? Good. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I was gonna. I was gonna say, have you guys heard of the game Subspace? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a classic. Yeah. It's still around. It's been around since the mid '90s, yeah. and it's now called uh, Subspace Continuum, which you can download for free on Steam. And yeah, tons of people still play that thing. And that thing's got a crazy. Yeah. That thing's got some crazy modes to it. Uh, if yeah. I recall correctly, I haven't, <laughs> pl- I haven't played. Too. Yeah, I haven't played it in a while because I am not good at it. And you get in there if you're not good at it, and you're not going to last <laughs> long. It's like okay, uh, I'm just going to go play something else because it's like you, you guys have been playing. You guys have been playing since 1996, and I have not. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm just going to go. That's when I started playing 1996. Suspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah man, can- if you go some some of these some of these older games where there's like still a community of like you go. You, yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> well, it's fun for them. <laughs> it's fun oh, for sure. them, but it's hard it's for newcomers. Like, 
just you know playing playing facing facing worlds like you got people that have been playing that since the map first came out and you're just like god right (laughs) that's right you've clearly never you've clearly never left all right well there is a mode uh there is a mode i was gonna say that uh we use in quintet and you can totally take over if you want to use it i'm totally cool with it 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 involved having uh rings that would randomly spawn and the locations would be different where they spawn, of course. And everybody's racing to get to uh, run through the ring. So that's your racing mode. Mm. But you also have your ship powers. So you could use your guns on other players or uh, knock them out of the way. Uh, shoot the ring itself so that you turn it. And then they fly mm. through it. An, uh, or they instead of flying through, angle. they fly off at an angle. Yeah. So you could totally do something like that. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of room. I, I would love racing because there was a there haven't been enough space racing games. There was one that came out a few years ago, but then was quickly abandoned. Called uh, Orbital Racer, which was amazing. Yeah, I saw your yeah I saw your podcast on that. Marcus yeah, it's an it's an amazing. And then like it just it it fizzled out, which is such a shame. So. To to know that there might be racing coming to this, that makes me even more excited because I would, I would play the hell out of racing in this. Oh my yeah. god! Oh my god! I mean, I at would, the end of the day, racing is not that hard to add on top of an existing. I can't game, imagine right? it is. I can't imagine it is. I mean, <laughs> you have the physics already. All you need are like rings or something, um, right? To like to keep to, track, to, yeah. to keep track and and mark progression. That's all. And you know who's winning. Uh, and I can't imagine that would be too hard to implement over top of what you already no. have. Um, but yeah, another th- great thing would be like capture the warp core. Like Hunter said, like you have a, I was thinking like these battleships, you have like an open area in the middle and you have to fly through it to get the warp core and then yeah. deposit that warp core back in one of your battleships. That'd yeah, be fun. No, definitely. Yeah. And I want to, you know, right now there's one map, but I've had other maps in the past that either be multiple maps and I want maps of all types, you know, uh, Wait, there's only one map. Think, there's only one map. Yeah, there's one map with two um, two themes to it. Yeah. I didn't even know. Sorry, did we only play on one map the other day? Yeah, yeah. The whole time you were on the same map. Holy you crap! Didn't even really, it. that was the same. I had no idea. Well done. Yeah. I yeah. had no idea that was the same <laughs> map. I thought that was maybe a different map with different asteroids and stuff. I didn't no, know. No, 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 wow. No. It's just no, one no, map. No. We yeah. got two hours at least out of just one. Wow. Just we map. have guys with thousands and thousands of hours, so I, I wanted to make sure the game could stand on its own, and uh, it didn't need a, a buttload of content to be fun. But of course, I wouldn't release a game without multiple maps. So the idea is there'll be multiple maps, and the obvious, uh, the next map I want to work on is uh, some sort of map with a lot of interior space. You know, like the inside of the Death Star. Uh, Ooh. It might end up being like an asteroid city, but something with a lot more tightly packed, more obstruction um, than than you would see in an asteroid field, uh, so with more recognizable getting, sort of landmarks. Someone's getting some descent influence going on. <laughs> yeah, no problems with me. Uh, I really yeah. did no, like how no, not at all. What complaints? Nope, nope, no. I really at did all. like how you could also use the terrain in this ca- in our case asteroids. Yeah. As a defense, like there were multiple times yeah. where I was getting shot at and I would like hug an asteroid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was great. Uh, so adding more stuff like maybe Nebula and stuff, you know, that'd be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Nebula, I think, would be good for like breaking sensor locks. You can actually use the, the asteroids to break sensor locks. So somebody has you targeted 
if you get if you break the line of sight and you go into silent running, then it will break the the lock. And Ooh, they will have no clue know. where you're at. Good to know. So, <laughs> but yeah, Nebula is definitely something you want. Nebula, you can go into, or maybe they'll be a little bit, little different than asteroids. With the asteroid, you can't see them, but with the Nebula, maybe you're you're inside the Nebula. You can see out, but they can't see in. I like that. Um, I that's like that totally my style. I mean, that's like hunting from the tall grass for your little prey. <laughs> you know, that's um, kind of a that's a little little Rathakani, oh, You know, a little little sub so warfare and <laughs> that is exactly great. or. You know, like the fog in remember in Freelancer, they have those missions where you're in the in in the, in the inside the the nebula. I think it was a nebula, but it was those where you can barely see anything. Oh, free, um, I think you mean free space. Free space, with, free space, with, not Freelancer. Yeah, with the, sorry, with free the, space. With the amazing, with the amazing nebula that really has not been yeah, exactly since. Oh but imagine God. that within a multiplayer map. Oh know? God. Oh God! Flying and around, being able nebula. to go in and out of it, and having the battleships could even you can even warp in a battleship. Uh, that's the other thing. Oh. I mean, I haven't implemented, but the idea is the battleships would, you know, like I said, similar to X-wing. So what can the X-wing battleships do? They can warp in and warp out, and they can move about. You know, there's they can launch fighters, right? Uh, that sort of stuff needs to be in the game, and you can combine that with Space Nebula again. That's something that didn't exist in X-wing, but I think is a nice logical addition and extension to it to bring it to you know the 2020s. And yeah, well, you get yeah. a lot by mixing those things. And for that that high the the game mode you were theorizing about with the warp core, what if you took the warp core from one ship and you brought it into the interior of your of another ship, your Death Star or whatever? You, you know, that would yeah, be so exactly. Cool. Yeah, like because I can only think of really one space game that took terrain seriously, and that was Klingon Academy, where you had asteroid fields, you could uh, you could f- muck around in the rings of gas giants. Uh, and whatnot, and uh, and also use planetary atmosphere uh, against your opponent. Uh, just amazing stuff. So there's definitely a wow. lot of potential here. Definitely a lot of potential. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's me trying to fly into a into a refit area, not knowing what the hell I'm doing. Um, <laughs> so here's a fun idea uh, going off of what Brian just suggested. You have to steal three warp cores from three enemy ships, bring them back to your super weapon to power it. And then once it's powered, it can start destroying the capital ships on the other side. Yeah, that would be cool. And and this is part of part that goes into my philosophy, Spaz, is like I want Hunter Net Starfighter. That's why I said inspired by Star Wars and Battle Star Galactica. Obviously it's neither of those IPs, but I wanted to do the kind of things that fans like myself of those IPs are dying to see and take part of in the game. And who wouldn't want to take part in like powering up your own Death Star and then watching the Death Star go to town on your enemies they were just fighting a moment ago? I mean, that's a classic dream that you want to live. And, and that's sort of my long-term vision for the game. Like I said, I want to release HunterNet Starfighter, but the idea is if HunterNet Starfighter does well, follow it up with HunterNet Armada and follow that up with HunterNet Galaxy. Oh. Each of them building on the previous game and like oh. doing that kind of wish fulfillment for people like you and and me and us, I think that don't have the time to use the sort of more modern approach where it's just like, I don't know, this, maybe this is, this is a little bit of, of a, of the detour, but when HunterNet, I really want it to be very time efficient. You can get in there and you can have fun and you can enjoy, and maybe you're impacting the world. There can be world progression, but you never feel like you're having a grind to get to the good stuff. And that's what I want to do with the Hunter Net Galaxy sometime down down the road. 
Yeah, will there be any kind of progression for the player? Or is it just all entirely skill based? The the progression for Hunter and Starfighter will be like X Wing, you know, earning medals. And mm, if it's okay. in a campaign, then the, maybe you'll get to fly a better ship. Um, you're going to be a regular Joe in a regular Space Navy. So depending on your performance, you might get equipped. You might get an experimental fighter. You might, you know, if you perform badly, you might have to play with the broken down scraps <laughs> that they that you know that the guys like in like in Battlestar Galactica they have like these these uh vipers and they're all falling apart and maybe you go out to the field and it's it already has hull damage right and maybe the laser is only firing one shot instead of two uh so that will be that kind of progression so in the game and of course your own personal skill progression and then if I do Hunter in a Galaxy my idea is you do a you take the elements from Hunter in a Starfighter and you use it to build up a galaxy you can explore. So uh, those instances we talked about where you could have your own private instances, those might be individual planets or systems or, you know, points of interest on a bigger map. Uh, but it's all directly built on what came before it. And that game might have progression. But again, it's more like progression is in the game um, in a way that makes sense. Because um, I'm not the RPG-ness. Because like, I feel like RPG games, they started out as trying to simulate reality or simulate a fantasy world but they sort of become a thing of their own where it's like okay what's my level how much experience do i need to do this but we can i think we can model progression in a more natural way today uh rather than just using this abstraction on top of that abstraction with that you have with rpg so in hunter in a galaxy there's multiple maps and you can get progression by you know you know claiming territory or being able to uh you know, have access to certain uh, components in certain areas, but it's more in a way that makes sense that would make sense in the real world. Cause in the real world, we don't have experience points. We don't have stat numbers that we look at and we like, Oh God, which stat should I put the point in? Not that kind of progression. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's what I was figuring, but I just wanted to ask about it because you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. always good to have, you know, you can look at your metal case or you can look at how many hours you played or how many kills you have just to just to know how you're doing. You yeah, know. the game does have stats already. It's, um, it, you know, I'm not doing a good job of showing them. But if you, that same menu that you can use to re, to refit your um, your ship and to set up your joystick um, below the scanner array entry, there is a intelligence reports entry. And that will show you everybody's persistent stats. You can get a short list of everybody who happens to be on the server at the same time as you. So you can check out the intelligence reports on your opponents to see how good they are. Or you can get all the intelligence reports on everybody who has ever played on that server. Or you can also look at leaderboards. So there's some leaderboards. Right now there's only one. Uh, basically, who's, uh, it's a leaderboard based on how many bots you can kill in a single uh, six-minute uh, short mission. Um, but I'm going to keep working on that um, and exposing it on different places. So it's not just in that menu. Let you browse it in the main menu. Maybe let you look at it on a website. But the stats are already, you know, there's pretty significant amount of stats there. And it can be really fun browsing through there and seeing, you know, how good somebody is at killing bots, how good they are against the capital ships, how good they are against other players, which weapons they use and that kind of thing. And that's persistent. Right. So um, we have to do we do have to start wrapping up. I apologize. Um, I wish we didn't. We could talk about this all day. But um Friends, right now, uh, if you go to the itch.io page for uh, Hunter Net Starfighter, you'll find a form there that you can fill out to gain access to the um, closed alpha. 
And um, their Discord community is really friendly. I've, I've been over there several times. Um, oh, can you also get the form on CPUdreams.com? Yeah, that's the main site. Uh, it's where I recommend. And then the, the Discord, you can get the form there. You can also get it at YouTube.com slash C slash CPUdreams. Those are probably the best three places. The itch.io page, I don't think it shows, since the game doesn't, you have to sign up to get it. It does. You can't like download it immediately. I don't think it shows up in the itch.io search forms. That's the main reason I, right. I wanted to point yeah, to those it other does. It, it does not. I, I, I double checked that. It does not. Um, but yeah, friends. Uh, okay, so yeah, I didn't see that the form is already on your homepage. I apologize. So you can go to the homepage or the itch.io page to fill out a form to uh, get into the closed alpha it's it's you really should if you have any interest at all in games like and you're listening to this podcast you probably do uh if every if you have any interest at all in in cockpit based space fighter combat uh this really is astounding uh like it 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 not only shows you what a small team can do um but it also shows you um what a small team can do with enough creativity to try and separate itself from the pack, which is, I think definitely where this game is going. Like as, as Fernando said, even if squadrons does well, uh, there not only is still room for this, but it can definitely help, uh, get players into something that wants players that want something more, um, than squadrons has to offer. And I think this could be that game. Uh, so again, it is called Hunternet Starfighter. It is currently in closed alpha, even though it already feels and flies really great. Um, <laughs> yeah, Hunter, you should send me a link to your Twitch stream from the other day so I can include it in the um, in the podcast notes. Um, uh, I am um, there. There isn't a private chat, but um, we'll have. I think I should probably clip it because it's like part two of a like because I was streaming earlier that morning. So I'll clip oh, it with yeah, just the Hunternet stuff and send it to you. Okay, great. Yeah, um, because yeah, I only recorded video for you know the background of this, but uh, you actually live streamed it, uh, and and uh, we had so much fun, you guys. I just can't get. A, I just can't <laughs> relay how much fun we had uh, playing this. Um, and there's a spectator mode, which is amazing. So yes. we're probably going to be using that for tournaments and whatnot. Yep. Um, so, yeah, this game really is going to have just about everything. Uh, so, Fernando, I want to thank you uh, for joining us uh, today in the middle of your busy afternoon. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's uh, it's been my pleasure, Brian. Oh, ours too. And we're definitely going to keep track of this game. So, folks, that this is the only... Uh, this is the only uh, stream for today. I sadly have a work meeting this afternoon, so I can't do a stream this afternoon. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. I'm not sure we're going to stream tomorrow at 6 a.m. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. And then uh, I'm not sure what's happening for the podcast next week because I'm still um, – I've got feelers out, but no one's confirmed yet. So we might do a topic show or we might get a guest. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but I want to thank you all for listening and hanging out with us today. You guys are the best. And again, the game is Hunter and Starfighter. You can sign up for the closed alpha if you want to give it a shot. It's not like it's not a huge game, it won't take up a huge footprint on your hard drive, but it offers quite a bit uh, for, 
for how early this is. Um, so uh, thanks everyone for hanging out and watching today, and we will see you next time. Have a good one, y'all. Bye-bye.